You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 70 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and joining me today for this week's show is a good friend of the program, a frequent guest, Eric Cole. What's up, man? Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. Uh, it's a, a good feeling to be recording a podcast after a couple of uh, fun victories. I was actually there on Saturday at SunTrust Park. I uh, was not there Sunday, but another fun another fun result with a walk-off, you know, back-to-back walk-off wins, something that's not terribly familiar with this year's team. But shots to Brandon Phillips for walking off two days in a row. Um, I'm not sure if you were following Sunday as it happened, but um, the Marlins had a five-man infield on the, on the final I play. I actually watched the whole game. Uh, it was yeah, tremendous. I watched the whole game. It was, un- it was unbelievably bad. Like, like you set up a five-man infield, and then a ball that takes about 30 bounces out of the infield where two guys don't even come close to fielding it. It's pretty awesome. That's that's the one play that you're trying to prevent with the five-man infield. Uh, I mean, I get, you know, again, shouts to Brandon Phillips for making it happen. Absolutely should not have been a hit to win the game. But, hey, nope. uh, that's fine. We'll take it uh, as people that want the Braves to do well. And, uh, by the way, the post-game, uh, Kelsey Wingert from uh, Fox Sports South got doused um, with – Gator with a Gatorade bath that she handled like like a champ, but uh, yeah, that was that was entertaining. Yeah, and, well. and, 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 yeah, did you see where Brendan Phillips grabbed her too, so she couldn't get away? Yeah, he, he saw it coming. She did, did not, that? Uh, and uh, that was the end of that. Uh, I think he put his arm right around her, put put his arm right around her shoulder, so she couldn't escape. It was it was it was really good. <laughs> it was fantastic. She handled it very well, better than I would have handled it. That's for sure. Uh, which is why I don't do that job. Uh, but yeah, a good a good weekend uh, nonetheless. The Braves have not been playing terribly well before that, but a couple of good wins in a row leading into a series that begins, uh, I guess, today as people listen to this on Monday. We're recording this Sunday night, but Monday the, the Giants are in town, and the Giants are not very good at baseball right now. So an opportunity to win some more games here, hopefully, um, even with Ari Dickey on the mound on Monday, which we'll get to uh, later in the podcast. But since we were talking about Brandon Phillips, I want to talk about him actually at the top because People have been asking me about Phillips. People, I think in general, people like him more than I do, but he has been quite useful this year. Um, the bat has been playing at an above-average level, slightly above-average, and the defense has been a little bit better than I thought it would be. Um, and of course, he's making basically nothing. Uh, he's making $1 million this year, thanks to the kindness of the Cincinnati Reds, who are paying him $13 million of his $14 million salary this year. I guess, uh, what do you think about Phillips in general? And of course, the big looming thing with a, with a bunch of these guys is, uh, is he an interesting trade target? Uh, I mean, I, he's certainly interesting, you know, and he's been playing pretty well. I mean, it's it, he's look, he's not the same player he used to be. He's not going to be. He's not that same power threat anymore. But he's, you know, he's putting the ball. He's putting the ball in play. He's playing perfectly, perfectly reasonable defense over at second base. And I think that for especially for the price, since the Reds are picking up all that money, I could see a team being interested in him in the deadline. But I'm also not a hundred percent sure what the a reasonable return would be for him. Because it seems likely that once he hits free agency, he's going to be looking for his basically his final deal, and I don't and I don't think it's going to be the kind of deal where you know he, I think he will end up being paid a non-zero amount of money, and as a result, I mean it's it's going to be very much a rental unless he really finds a rapport with a team or something like that. So the return might not be worth it for the Braves. Um, that said, Ozzy Albies is still sitting there at down there in Gwinnett, you know, you know, luckily the Braves haven't listened to you and haven't traded him off yet for some, you know, for some other assets. So, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he's, he's still, he's an option for them, uh, for the Braves, uh, and coming back from the DL, he's looked really good. So, you know, it's, it's an option available for them in, in many ways. You hate to call a guy expendable because it implies something you don't mean, but you know, there's a, there's a very cheap, very, very good option down in Gwinnett. And if the Braves feel like Ozzy's ready, I could, easily see them, you know, if they got the right offer that they could move him. 
Yeah, I mean, and again, the whole thing is he's not he's not under control beyond this year, and because he's making so little money, uh, I mean, is there any is there any chance that the 2018 season begins with Phillips as a starting second baseman? In your opinion, uh, for the Braves, no, yeah. I don't think so. That's the thing. Uh, unless, so like, unless, 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 unless I'm unless they're thoroughly convinced that Ozzy isn't ready, or you know, again, you get a front office job and you trade off Ozzy, uh, but <laughs> you know, it's I, I don't I don't I don't I don't see it happening. Uh, for 2018, uh, so I mean, there's kind of there's almost no reason to keep him. There had I mean, especially even if Ozzy isn't ready. I mean, Camargo has been playing reasonably well, and you could play him at second base. There's there's options available to the Braves, and if you can get something anything close to reasonable back for him, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. Right, that's my thing. I mean, I guess if the Braves got hot here in the next couple of weeks and were suddenly at 500 or better and didn't didn't want to start selling guys, I, I would understand that a little bit. I would disagree with it, but I would understand it. But if they're st- if they're sort of where they are now, you know, five, six, seven games under five hundred, you have to look at Brandon Phillips and think, is he a long term part of the of the future? Absolutely not. So I mean, unless you just get nothing for him, which is possible. I mean, it's not like he's killing the ball, but I can't imagine there wouldn't be someone that's in the playoff race that might like to take on Brandon Phillips, making no, making no money. By the way, it's not like a situation where a team has to eat a, a lot of salary. He's making basically the league minimum um, this year for a veteran. So like. It's not. I don't know. He's he's a he's a he's a prime trade piece for me. Uh, it's nice to have him playing well because he's obviously the best option second base right now. But uh, moving forward, it makes all the sense in the world for them to take offers on Phillips. With that said, I do want to ask you about Ozzy in general. With a, uh, I know that the the thing is with me hating uh, hating Ozzy, which is funny, and I think I'm lower on him than some people are. But um, do you think? Like he's on the path to be ready to be a second baseman of like not not the future, but like this this season. For instance, if, if the Braves were to trade Phillips in July, um, would it be a no brainer for you to go ahead and call up Ozzy to play every day, or is it a situation where you might see, where you personally would want him to stay down and go net for a little while longer? Uh, I would be fine with them calling him up, and it's certainly nothing defensively that he's the, that he's struggled with. He he hasn't been normal Ozzy in terms of like you know batting like over three hundred and being you know a little ridiculous. Uh, but before he took a foul ball off his foot and had to miss about a week, he just you know wasn't wasn't the same wasn't the same Ozzy. He kind of some of his splits were like completely off his character, off off his career, you know projections and what he's done in the past and in terms of his track record but he's come back and he's you know he's all of a sudden he's starting lacing doubles and triples he hit a home run the other day uh had a you know knocked in a couple runs today so i, I think he's I, i'm not sure if maybe he just needed to make an adjustment or you know just was kind of st- still kind of knocking the rust off of you know what was ultimately a pretty you know a pretty bad injury that he finished his you know that ended his year last year so i think he's ready um, I wouldn't expect him to necessarily be hitting like 350-400 uh, in ma- the majors right now, but I think he'd be a really good second baseman, uh, especially defensively. Uh, him and Dansby would be really fun to watch, and I think that he would provide a lot of value and you know provide a lot of speed and a, lot, a very different sort of game than what you're getting from Brendan Phillips right now. Uh, and you know, there's going to be there's going to be some growing pains with that, but if the Braves really felt like they got the offer that they wanted for Phillips. Uh, it's worth noting too that there is actually a provision in his in Phillips' contract, and I'm not 100 percent sure about this, or in some sort of agreement that was made that if he is traded this season, he gets more, he gets an additional sum of money, and I believe it would be from the Braves. But I and it would, I think it would end up being like it was either a half million or a million. I can't remember exactly offhand, but it's like a one-time payment deal. So it's not like a you know there's there's some costs in trading him uh, that the Braves would have to weigh. But honestly, you know if you get an offer for Brendan Phillips. You know, and it's more than just for peanuts. Then that sort of money isn't necessarily going to stop a trade from happening. And oh, neither yeah. Ozzy being ready or not, because I think he is. Yeah, I mean, costing the Braves money is just doesn't. I mean, it matters to them, but to you and me, it, it shouldn't matter. Uh, I, I can't imagine that's going to stop them from making a deal, as you said there. But I'm just interested in Ozzy because obviously you see him closer than I do, and the numbers are the numbers are fine. I, I don't think he's necessarily not ready. Um, I think people just sort of started freaking out about him a little bit to the negative side, even more than I have. Um, he's still incredibly young, man. Like it's like he doesn't have to be rushed to the majors. So. He's he, he's he, he's he's incredibly young, and he's not like he's been. He's not. He hasn't been awful. He just hasn't no. been like he hasn't. Like I said, he hasn't been like that. Like he hasn't been. You know, he's not hitting three thirty. You know what I mean? And it's just you know, like you said, he's come you know, when he's come back off an injury. He's not. He maybe he wasn't quite right, but he's been playing really well since he came back. And you know, he's kind of shown a little more power. Or maybe had to make maybe he had to make an adjustment to how he was. You know, making an approach at the plate or making an adjustment to his swing because something didn't feel quite right. That's going to happen when you 
don't have a full off season to kind of get back and get back into game shape, and it's just going to take you a little while to get back right. But honestly, I, I have no issues with Ozzy. You know, he, he maybe a little rusty, maybe striking out a little bit more than he were used to him doing. But I, I don't, I don't see any problems. And given his age and his development, I don't think there's any problems with him at all. I mean, he's he's 20 years. I'd be old. fine with it. <laughs> he'll, he'll be 21 in January. It, it's actually crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, he's, so it's it's a little ridiculous. It's a little ridiculous what he's been able to do and how quickly he's ascended. So, you know, I think people need to put the brakes on worrying too much about Ozzy. He'll be fine. For sure. I'm with you all the way. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's the Brandon Phillips segment of the day. Uh, big weekend for him, but uh, we can move on from there. Um, to the six-man rotation, uh, one of the first questions I got well, when, I, when I put out the uh, the mailbag call was about six-man rotation. And uh, basically it says this. It says This is from Benjamin Lewis. It says, explain how terrible an idea the six-man rotation is. So I'm not going to say anything else, Eric. How bad of an idea is this? Well, I mean, I guess the theory behind uh, an extended run for a six-man rotation is it does limit innings, and that means you might be able to run guys out there for a little longer than you normally would. Uh, unfortunately, you're doing a six-man rotation with two pitchers that are pretty awful. So uh, at the, I don't know why you would necessarily want to do it beyond trying to showcase guys to trade them. And I think that's it feels pretty transparently that's what it is, especially with Bartolo's case. Uh, I went to Bartolo's at last start as a Brave, and it was as painful to watch in live live as it was on TV or any other medium you were choosing to watch it. It was really, really bad. Um, the Braves have a decent chunk of money sunk into Bartolo right now, and it feels a lot like that they're trying to at least trying to extract some value from him by showcasing that he can still pitch. Now, if he makes like one or two starts in this whatever the six-man rotation nonsense is, and he seems to be at least back to passable. I could see them moving him quickly. R.A. Dickey's a little bit different because I don't know if there'd be necessarily a ton of takers for a knuckleballer in their 40s simply because, or, you know, at least in the towards the tail end of their careers because he's been really not good. You know, he, he had one good start the other day, like a couple weeks ago, and, you know, everyone's like, well, if I can keep doing that each year, then this is going to be really fun. And then the next start, he got shelled. Uh, and the problem with knuckleballers is that you don't really know what you're going to get. Yes, Dickey a few years ago won a Cy Young throwing knuckleballs, but the, the list of people who were able to do that, especially in this in today's game, isn't very good. I don't know why we necessarily need to go to a six-man rotation when we've seen a lot of Bartolo and a lot of Dickey to see that they're just not working out. And I guess this is this is my take on this whole thing and why I think it's nonsense, is that the idea behind signing Bartolo and R.A. Dickey was that they seem like passable short-term options, and in the worst-case scenario, which in the case of Bartolo and maybe to a lesser extent Dickey is, where we're at right now, is that even if they're awful, you're not committed to them long-term, and you can always move on to other options. If you do not do that, all you're doing is running out bad pitchers. It's not doing any good. It's not going to. It's not going to help anyone's development. It's not going to. There's no. There's. It's not. It's going to tax your bullpen because you're going to have to pull these guys after three innings because they're getting shelled. And it's not any benefits you would get from either doing a six-man rotation and trying to you know adjust schedules and try to do matchups and things like that. There's no benefit if the guys are bad. I don't know what else we need to see from Bartolo to make an assumption that he's bad unless the injury was real and it was limiting him. And I am very skeptical of that. I just – I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm with you all the way on the injury. I mean, I think we all kind of laughed in unison when that happened. But I, it could be a tinge of real with uh, mostly that he's just bad, so we'll shut him down and, re- and restart. But I'm with you all the way. Like, there's no reason to hang on long term. I don't. I'm not mad about this rotation right now. I will be if they do it for a month. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if, if it's if it's yeah, a, if you do it once, or, if you do it once or twice as a showcase type thing, like, hey, look, we yeah. he's better now. That's that's different. But if if we're talking in July, you know, like the middle of July, and Bartolo's going out there every six or seven days, that's a problem. Yeah, it just, I mean, Bartolo and Dickey, frankly, I mean, if it's not, it's it should be one or the other at this point. They've both been bad enough to where they should be removed and. I understand the Braves may not have that option that they that they want to in, uh, sort of insert aside from Newcomb because Whistler we kind of know what we are what, what that is uh, you know Aaron Blair Lucas Sims etc we've been over those guys a million times but um, you know at the very least you know if they, if they don't want to just cut cut ties on Bartolo or, or Dickey make them make make them a long reliever if you want to you don't have to cut the guy but I just can't see a scenario where this is a long term thing I'm, for now I'm not upset about it but as you mentioned if it's July and they're doing a six, six day rotation still. That's when it becomes a big time concern. I mean, for now, I guess the the only the only upside is that you're you're watching uh, Newcomb's innings, but you know that's not big enough for me to care about, um, at least at this stage. So, 
yeah, not, not a big fan. So uh, that's the kind way to put it. But I don't know. Would you bet on? I guess the rest of the year, if they were healthy, would you bet on Cologne being better or Dickey being better? If you had, if you had to pick one. Oh God! Uh, uh, I know that's that's sort I mean, of the big I mean, question. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have personally seen a start by Cologne the for opening weekend of the season where he was good. Every time I watch R.A. Dickey pitch, it seems like that when he does have a good outing, he's gotten lucky. So I would wager that Cologne has a better shot, but I would feel like I'm I, – I would be have to use money that like I found on the street to bet. So <laughs> yeah, I, mean, uh, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't feel good about it at all either way. Cologne has been better more recently, and I think this year uh, Cologne has been bad. It's not like he's just been unlucky. That m- there might have been a little bit of, uh, of luck stuff with Bartolo being as bad as he has been, but he's not been good. Um, but yeah, I would also bet on Bartolo if I had to pick between the two. Um, I guess something with Dickey is that you know if you if you were to stick him in a long relief role, the guy has a rubber arm. He could he could just pitch forever. There, there's some value in that, especially later especially later in the year, if you're trying not to kill guys' arms. If you just have Ari Dickey around as your long man, throwing a ton of innings out of the bullpen, you know that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have around. But yep. I think there, there, there there is that. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, uh, they, I think he has a better shot, but we're not talking about particular. Go ahead. No, I was about to say the same thing. We're not talking about anything exciting, so we can we can move on. I, just, I wanted to ask you that because I, I had a feeling your answer would be like mine and kind of just like neither, but if I had to pick one, it'd be Cologne, and we can probably leave it there. Um, yeah, I, I, it would have to be money that you gave me if I was going to make that bet, though. I'm not, I'm not putting my money on that one. I'm just, <laughs> I'll, I'll move on to better bets. Let me I'm, put it that way. I'm with you all the way. Um, I guess the biggest actual news of the week was the, was the Adonis Garcia injury. He's going to be out about two months uh, after having surgery on his left ring finger, uh, Adonis has always been a point of contention on this podcast because of just uh, just sort of his overall makeup and profile. But you know, never want to see a guy, a guy get hurt for that long. So kind of brutal for him. But I guess before we can get on to the other options, what do you make of Adonis right now? I mean, he's obviously killed left-handed pitching this year. Has a 130 WRC plus against lefties, but a 57 against righties. Uh, not quite as pronounced as that, but his career splits are 111 against um, lefties and 72 against righties. So we kind of know what he is now. He's also 32 years old, which people just don't realize. I know you know that, but a lot of fans think of Garcia as this younger guy, and he's 32 years old. Um, so I guess where are you at with Adonis Garcia? Like when he comes back, what what, what kind of role should he have? Will he have, I guess, you know, this year and moving forward? At best, I am willing to accept that he will pinch hit late in games as a bench bat. Putting him in, I, I can't, he's not fun to watch at third base. At best, he's passable. At worst, he's one of the worst third basemen in the league defensively. And he's been bad. He has not been good. Like, he has not been good at the plate this year. I, entered, I, I, I see what he's done against lefties this year, but we're not talking about particularly large sample size against lefties since the Braves haven't seen very many. Uh, and we know who he is. And if we have guys like Camargo or Rio Ruiz, you know, their own faults aside, these are guys who play who can play good defense, provide something beyond – provide something – provide things that Adonis can't. You know, for example, I wouldn't be upset if Camargo was ever caught, brought in as a pinch runner. I would like both of these guys better as pinch hitters than, than Adonis. So even if – we, the Braves can't find a, a third baseman that they really, really like, maybe at the trade deadline or something like that. And we have guys like Rio and Camargo. Uh, maybe Rio gets hot and he starts, you know, really trying showing off his offensive potential a little bit more. Uh, Camargo has also been really good. Maybe he sticks over there as a more primary option. I like all those options better than playing Adonis Garcia every day. I have no interest in seeing him at third base again. If they must keep him on the roster, then I suppose that keeping him in and bringing him in as a pinch hitter, particularly against lefties, I'd be okay with it. Uh, I just think that there's better options. I I am hopeful but skeptical that it'll actually happen that Adonis probably won't be seeing much time playing time at all. Yeah, I mean, and for me, like you kind of said it, he's he's a bench bat against left-handed pitching. He, he's definitely good at that. I mean, he's, an, he's an above-average major league hitter against lefties. There's value in that. But um, for a team that's you know trying to sort of build for the future – I'm not sure you can just have that guy as anything close to a priority at 32. I mean, if he's just around for the minimum or close to it, then it's fine. But uh, I wouldn't be planning anything with Adonis moving forward. It's just kind of brutal for him, the timing of it, because, um, you know, I feel bad in some ways for being so negative about him all the time. But I don't know. It's not a situation where he's just awful. He's not He's not. Un, he's not unuseful. That's not even a word, but you know what I mean? Like, he, he can have a purpose. It's just not an exciting guy to have moving forward in the role that he's currently in. Um 
Well, if I had to ask you, like, I guess even the short term and I guess the rest of the season, even moving forward, like, how would you want to handle third base between Rio and Camargo? Because I think Camargo's come out of, not, not, not out of nowhere, but a lot of people are starting to come around him and look, sort of like him a little bit, whereas Rio is sort of a polarizing player at this point still. We kind of know what he can and can't do for, for the most part, but there seems to be a divide as to whether the Braves should just invest in him as a full-time player, knowing that he's not going to hit lefties right now and just see if he can fix that. Um, where, are you, where are you at on both those guys? I like both of them, kinda. Um, uh, Rio, oddly enough, I mean, he hasn't played that much against lefties this year. Uh, but I mean, he's two for four against them this year. So I mean, maybe he's figured yes. something out against. Uh, I mean, but I mean, we're talking about a sample size that's basically irrelevant. Um, and I think one of the home runs he he hit was actually off a lefty late in the game. So you know, I mean, it's possible he, he's really struggling at the plate right now. He did have a like a, a he, and he's hit he, he's hitting the ball reasonably well too, even if the numbers don't necessarily bear out. I mean, like he's you know he's hitting some line drives. He's hitting some balls pretty hard. He just hasn't had the necessarily the best luck in terms of balls on pl- balls in play. I don't know. I. I I think I've kind of been thinking for a while, probably the last year or so, that Rio is more of a platoon third base type uh, with some with some offensive upside. Camargo is interesting because he does he feels like what we would like Jace Peterson to be, which is kind of like a super utility guy. You can play him at second, short, or third. Uh, if you really if you needed him to pinch in the outfield, you could probably run him out there. He's athletic enough to get around and you know knows how to field his position. Has a pretty strong arm, so I. I like him more as kind of a utility option, like wherever you need him, maybe like in that role that even Sean Rodriguez was envisioned to have, uh, which is another question the Braves are going to ask because it seems possible that Sean Rodriguez could return this year. It seems like he's starting to resume at least some baseball activities now. So I don't know. I, they're, they're, I don't think either one of them are long-term solutions at, at third base, and I think that that's the, something that the Braves should focus on. In terms of you know if they're making like trying to want to start deal from their depth in the farm system, like the the you want real production out of third base. They're not getting it. They haven't gotten there from it anything from there in a in a while. And if they feel like they can pull a trigger and pull make a deal on a, a maybe a third baseman that has some amounts of team control, that's where I would focus our my attentions because right now between those two guys, like I said, I kind of like Camargo is more of like a super utility guy, a bench bat type as well, and Rio more as a platoon guy. And even then, I'm not sure if Rio is necessarily going to pan out in the future. Yeah, I think we agree on basically all that. I was going to ask you, what do you think about Camargo's bat? Because that, that was always the big thing when he first started coming up a little bit. It was like, all right, this guy this guy can't hit at a major league level. He's been a little bit better recently, but like, is his bat even good enough to be that super utility guy? Is he even that moving forward? Do you believe in it enough to do at least sort of invest in him? Not not hugely, obviously, because he's not making a lot of money, and you, you can kind of cut, cut ties with him whenever you want to, but can he, can he hit at this level? I would have said no before last season. I just thought he was kind of like a light hitting grounder type guy who you know had the ability, maybe had some ability in the field, uh, but was more of a contact hitter. And he started driving a lot more doubles last year in the minors, which made me consider it. Uh, and then this year, Gwinnett, he hit this like monster home run to dead center that probably went 450 feet, which made me question maybe whether or not he actually has the ability to drive the ball more than I gave him credit for. Uh, he. He's been playing. He's been playing well. I am a little skeptical in terms of an everyday player. Uh, his bat really playing, but again, in kind of that super utility type, uh, he's he's perfect because he's not going to embarrass you at the plate. Uh, and he's and he does have enough quickness to where you know he can kind of get some things done. But I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily envision him as an ever, everyday bat. But I certainly don't think that his bat's going to be embarrassing enough where he doesn't have a spot on a roster. And so that's the best way I know how to answer it because I I was not not particularly high on him. Uh, but he's continuing to outplay my expectations, so I'm not going to necessarily say he doesn't have have the bat to play. But I don't. I'm not necessarily optimistic about it. So he could hit better than Daniel Castro, is what you're saying? <laughs> uh, that I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I could run you out there and you could hit throughout the wall a little further than Danny. Okay. Oh, Danny Castro, I miss I miss Danny Castro. Uh, That's my guy. M- MVP Daniel Daniel Castro. Yes, a number two hitter yeah. in the lineup, Daniel Castro. I had, I I. I, I, I I, I had no hand in making your Twitter notifications particularly bad that one day, if I recall correctly. Yeah, uh. <laughs> you are you are a troll in that regard, which I appreciate about you, Eric. Um, okay, let's get away from the majors for a second and talk Love about Mike. Back. Let's talk about Mike Soroka because I don't even have to say anything. He's been awesome, and I want you to just go on Mike Soroka for as long as you want. Okay. Well, okay. Well, we might we might you know extend the cap on this podcast in, in terms of time limits and stuff because I got I, I've got, there's lots to talk about with Mike. But I'm just going to go ahead and say this. If, so as of right now, based on how he's been pitching, uh, in terms of how he's de- the steps he's forward he's taken, if he threw with his left hand, 
Soroka would be a top 20 prospect in baseball. <laughs> and I am not that, – that, that, that is not an exaggeration at all. If he threw with his left hand, then he, I would think he would be getting a lot more buzz than he currently gets. Now, that said, he's been getting a lot of love. Uh, for those who aren't aware, last uh, three starts for Soroka, 22, scoreless, 22 straight scoreless innings. He's allowed one walk during that, spirit, that, that, that period of time. Uh, and it comes down to what – the thing for Mike has been for a while is just making sure that his, his changeup has been consistent and that he was able to get left ha- left-hand batters out. When those two are very similar similar things, just being able to go outside to lefties, uh, pitch inside to them, and having that changeup to kind of keep them off balance because that's just gener- generally with right-handers against lefties. That's what you need to be able to do is you need to be able to pitch both sides of the plate and have be able to change speeds so that way you can you know, you know know bust them in and then you know keep their timing off. Uh, and he struggled a little bit with that. That said, he has a 2.23 ERA in AA and a whip that's sub-1. He, str- he has walked 16 guys this year, and half of those walks came in two starts. He's 19 years old. He's been... Re- He's been, he's been ridiculous. You could do like a Chuck Norris facts type thing with Mike Soroka's lines this year. And it's it's it, it's been borderline insane because the the knock that we hear about Soroka is that he doesn't have the ceiling because his stuff isn't as good. Did you see some of those pitches he was throwing the other day when I was posting online? Yes, they were not suitable for work. I think it's the first thing I said yeah. to you. Like you can't. It, those that was a major league pitcher on that mound. Is what that was, and I mean, the curveball. He he has a he has this. He's kind of been working in his power slider over the last year or so, and just something that kind of happened over the course of at Rome, where he was just the, his breaking ball was just getting harder and harder as he was throwing it during the year. It wasn't necessarily anything super intentional. Just he just kind of found itself instead of like going from a curve, it started getting slurvy, and then it kind of at times was becoming into more of a power slider. And with his arm slot, a slider would serve him well. Well, what he's been doing now is that he still has this, the, the slower curve, but he's also breaking off this power slider, and he's making guys look bad right now, like falling out of the batter's box on both sides, lefties and righties. And you know that, and he has his changeup working, and he has a fat, he has the two seam and the four seam that he's changing speeds with. It does. It's just not even fair to fair to watch right now. His last three games, he's only given up ten hits total, eleven base runners. That's it. <laughs> and he's nineteen years old in Double A. Yeah, is that, I, I, so, I, I, like, I, I could, I could, I could just talk about Mike a lot because he's, he, especially this stretch, this recent stretch, but really all year. You don't get a two point two three ERA over a course of Double A, you know, this late in the season by just having three good starts. He's been really good, even when he hasn't had his best stuff. He still gets outs. He still can generate outs. But now he's starting to miss a lot of bats, and he's just not letting any guys on base. And it's just, it's been a real treat to watch. He's going deep in games. He doesn't look, he doesn't look tired at all. He's, he's. Just it's been a treat. Yeah, I mean, you kind of said it all there, so I'm, I'm probably just going to leave it there. But nineteen year olds doing this in double A does not happen on a regular basis. Um, so be, it's probably okay to be excited. Eric has been the leading guy in Soroka for a long time, but uh, join the party because I'm in. I'm all in on Mike Soroka now. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never join your uh, stratosphere, Eric. But I'm, I'm all in at this point. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, there's, 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 plen- there's plenty of seats on the Mike Soroka hype train. You're welcome aboard, sir. You're yeah, welcome, you're welcome aboard. You've been driving forever, so I will always defer to you. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. Um, before we get to the draft stuff, I want to ask you about a couple of other prospects, really just in general. The one guy we kept getting a lot of questions about is Max Freed, who's obviously not having the greatest year of his life. But any, uh, aside from that, who I want, I want you to talk about Max Freed a little bit. Aside from that, feel free to throw out anything that you uh, feel necessary, that you're really excited about or really sort of not excited about with any of the guys that we sort of are knowing. I have one more deep question to ask you after, after you're done. Okay, cool. Um, I'm concerned about Freed, too. Uh, his velocity is down. Uh, and I have, I had noticed that, that you could kind of tell there wasn't the same zip on his fastball, you know, radar guns at stadiums being what they are. You don't necessarily want to trust them, but enough people have said that his velocity is down too, which is becoming concerning and his breaking ball is not breaking as well. I'm not sure he's completely healthy. Uh, and his numbers against right-handers are not good. And that's not, when you're a lefty, that's not where you want to be. And you, you don't want to be bad against right-handers period. Uh, just because the, there's, 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 there's so many of them. It's it's a tough thing because, you know, we saw him last year where he's, you know, throwing mid-90s up to even a little higher than that and had this hammer breaking ball. And we even heard in spring training about how he was just striking out guys like crazy. I think that he has some sort of injury issue. I'm not sure if it's arm, it's his arm or he had a back. I think he had a back issue earlier in the season, which caused him to miss a starter or two. I'm not sure if that's something that's lingering or not, but he's not right. Uh, and it's, it's a cautionary tale because when you have a guy that's coming back from Tommy John, 
you know, it's not always an easy road back in terms of health. And more importantly, even if he had nothing wrong, even if he has nothing wrong with his arm, I mean, his, it's his health and his development, there's definitely something different. And he's not, he, he, he's not having the same break. He's still basically impossible for lefties to, to, to get a hit off of. But against righties, his stuff is not playing up, and he's having a lot of trouble throwing strikes. He's having trouble with his command altogether. He's, he seems to be missing his spots a lot, a lot, and he's leaving just a lot of stuff up. And it's you know it's getting it's getting hit hard. Uh, one would think that because you know maybe the jump the double A, he's just kind of coming back to earth a little bit. But the stuff doesn't look the same. So it's a, it's definitely a concerning thing. Um, other than that, uh, Patrick Weigel had a really tough start today. Uh, enough people. Uh, Garrett was watching the game, and uh, Garrett's kind of the kiss of death for Weigel. Unfortunately, every time he watches a game by Patrick, watch is uh, started by Patrick. He seems to have a tough game, but Garrett seemed to think that his velocity was down a good bit too. Um, and this is a guy who was you know kind of a n- known to be throwing you know mid nineties to even kind of threatening triple digits. And I think that Garrett was telling me that he was even having trouble hitting ninety ninety one today. Uh, so that was a little bit upsetting, and you know, when you give up nine runs in a start, that's definitely not something you really want to see. Uh, it's worth monitoring going forward. Uh, Ronald Acuna has come back to earth a little bit. He's not hitting 400 at AA anymore. He's only hitting like 320 or something. Uh, still doing really well. He's a terror on the base pass. He seems to be constantly running around. Uh, a couple guys that I really want to highlight, uh, especially down in Rome, uh, Joey Wentz continues to pitch really well. He doesn't have that same velocity coming out of the draft that we were hoping for, but he really spots his pitch, pitches well, has a really good curveball. Uh, had another good start today. And uh, Christian Pache is very quietly having a very good year. He's hitting 300. He plays like major league level, like good defense in center field right now with a really good arm, uh, has plus speed. And I think that he's going to be getting a lot more love in terms of prospect lists starting probably midseason, if not midseason, than this off this coming off season. Uh, I think he's been doing. I think he's been doing really really well. And uh, I think that may cover everyone that I want to talk about. Luis Johara continues to be pretty good as well. Uh, had a really good start today. Five innings, eight eight strikeouts. Really, there's just a ton of guys I could talk about, just because there's a lot of really good prospects down in the farm system. But those are the ones that come to mind. Um, yeah, you, you hit on it briefly. But my, my, the question I was going to pass to you was: I got a, uh, I guess the talking shop account actually a couple. Like, it might have been like last week even. Got an all cap letters question about uh, Ronald Acuna. Basically, that they were very very upset with the uh, pipeline ranking him at number eighty nine overall. Um, they were very very upset okay. about this. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Let me explain pipelines rankings. Okay, don't yell at them too much. You can yell at them some because they should have been. He should have been higher on the list initially. But he was this offseason. He was not on their top 100 list. After that, all they do is simply add people who are like on that maybe 101 through 120. Once someone graduates, they just add someone to the bottom. They don't re-rank anything. So they just keep adding guys on and they keep shuffling up. He's moved up 11 spots just because of graduations and things like that. I would imagine. Now I could be wrong. I would imagine that once they do a like either their midseason update or they do a new list altogether, he will not be that low. Uh, we're talking about. I am not 100% sure how the vote amongst us talking chop guys is going to go, but I would imagine that there's going to be a couple votes for Ronald Acuna as the top prospect in the Brave system. And, and that is. is probably not a, and and that is probably not a, a like an 89 90 ranked prospect in baseball. So I'm I'm I don't, I'm not it's we're we're still hashing it out and it's this prospect list is going to be a nightmare just because there's like I have no idea how to rank anybody right now. There's just so many people who are doing really well, so we're we're we're, we're hashing it out. But the short version of the story is, don't be too mad at Pipeline. They have a really weird system for how they update their lists, but they are also updating their list, so it's not like they forgot about the guy completely. I am hopeful that they will revisit that, uh, and I have a feeling that if they don't, I have no issues whatsoever in thinking that there's going to be a reasonable number of lists that are going to probably have Acuna as like a top 25 prospect in baseball. Well, there you go. And I, I was really just kind of laughing about it because I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I'm glad you explained that for people that want to uh, be concerned and be upset about Pipeline's ranking. So uh, there we are on that. Um, okay, before I let you get out of here, man, um, the draft was last week. We had... Um, we have Matt Powers on in the middle of the week to talk about a couple, the first, I think, four or five picks. But I'm wondering how you feel about the uh, the general uh, takeaway from the Braves. Obviously, they got a guy that I think our staff liked quite a bit, judging from Matt and him uh, and what I read from our staff. But talk to people about what you thought about the top of the draft, anybody that you were uh, sort of impressed by in the middle that, that, that could be like a sleeper guy. Uh, yeah, before I do that, I just want to give props to Matt Powers. For sure. Uh, this was his first draft covering for us. He was unbelievable during the draft. Yes, he was. Uh, he, 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 uh, like a completely – there, there's no 
amount of draft knowledge that I could even approach what he does. I, I every time I'd ask him about a guy like an, a 14th round pick, it was, there was never a, like a long pause while he was googling a name or anything like that. He knew exactly who it was and what he what he was and whether or not he liked it or not. He did an absolutely amazing amount of work and really high quality stuff. He's he was outstanding in the draft. I can't I can't thank him enough for everything that he did. He was amazing. Uh, you should definitely be following him at Matt Powers thirty one. He's just he's he's amazing, especially for draft coverage. Uh, he's been helping us a lot on the minor league side as well. He just a plus for him. In terms of my thoughts, I was perfectly fine with it. I was really happy uh, when you have a system like the Braves where there's, there's so much talent. I have no problems instead of like trying to spread the money around and trying to get as much talent as humanly possible and stuff the system with as many bodies as humanly possible. They just went qual- they just they just went for more quality honing in on a few players and saying these are our guys and we're not going to really mess around and try to be too cute. Uh, and when Kyle Wright, a guy who was like a potential 1-1 and really a probable 1-1 pickup until by a week before the draft, when he falls in your lap, you 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 have to take him. And you know, yes it costs a lot of money and uh, I mean the $7 million signing bonus, I think it's the most uh, under the current slot system, which is, you know, again, it's a lot of money, but when you have a guy who seems to be the consensus, like one of the more polished college pitchers coming out, uh, seems to have a really high floor, uh, you know, short of injury, which is always going to be an issue regardless of who you take. Uh, I mean, and this guy has like number one, number two upside. So I, I, I really like the pick. I like Drew Waters as well. Uh, seems to be like a guy, a kid who just seems super, super athletic, uh, switch hitting power hitter, you know, has a really good arm in the outfield. Just a guy who can really do it, do it all. He he looks young to me. Um, uh, when you draft when you drafting prep position players, sometimes they look like, you know, boys in men's bodies, and you're like, oh wow, okay, I see it. And then there's ones where like, okay, he seems he seems like he's still a kid. Uh, we'll see what happens, but you know, he hit the cover off the ball in you know as a prep hitter, and everyone seems to really like him. Baseball America seemed to really like him as well. Uh, so and that was an underslot signing I was actually pretty shocked by. Uh, Freddie Tarnock is a guy that I'm really intrigued by because he is in high school and he's already throwing 97, 98 um, with a, like a you know a, a breaking ball that's already flashing plus. I, I know that there are some other uh, lesser publications who really really liked him and Baseball America certainly thought he was a guy that was getting get, getting some late helium before the draft. Uh, really exciting. He signed today, uh, so the Braves have signed their first three picks. I like all those guys a lot. You know, there's a lot. There's still there's a ton of upside. They're going to be you know, two of them for sure. Will be on a, be on our top thirty prospects list. Which whenever you can add two thir- two names to this list, just be by, just by calling their names in the draft, that is not an easy thing to do. So I'm I'm really happy about it. I feel like the Braves got two first round picks. Uh, does that mean that they? Got a bunch of underslot guys that you know you had to throw a lot of money at, and you could you know add a ton of names to the system. No, they don't really have that money now. But at the same time, was I was really excited. To, I was really excited to get a guy like Wright and a guy like Waters who are like have real pedigree and have a real chance of being something special. Yeah, sounds about right. I, I'm always going to defer on this stuff to you guys who do more prep than I do. But uh, my uh, my amateur eye was pretty pleased with the takeaway. I mean, there's nothing I can really say to add to that. Um, but yeah, I, other than shouting out Matt Powers because I agree, uh, that was I, I was happy to get him on the pod last week, and uh, I'm glad you're backing him up with that. He was uh, fantastic work for the site, and uh, follow Matt Powers for sure. Um, Two quick questions, man, before I get out of here from the mailbag. The first one comes from Mike McClanahan, and he asks, uh, very simply, are we done signing international prospects? Which I'm, I'm confused about the question, but I'm asking it to you anyway. Uh, if you're talking about this J2 season, probably, uh, unless they're like relatively cheap prospects, because since the Braves are in the penalty, they'd be paying double uh, for any prospect that they're, they're, they're going after. I never really thought it was a reasonable expectation that we were going after uh, – uh, Luis Robert, for example, because he was just going to cost so much money, and would basically the Braves would be basically paying double for him. Um, I, I mean, it's possible some minor signings uh, in terms of the next J two period. I mean, the Braves are in, they're not banned or anything like that. They just won't be able to sign guys over you know like a kind of a middle six figure amount. And there's still lots of talent that can be found there. You're just not going to see them in play for the next two couple years for the big the big international names simply because they went over the penalty so much uh, this past year when signing Kevin Maiton and. Um, all those guys. So I'm, they're, short answer, no, they're not done signing guys. Maybe this, maybe this period, unless they find some guys that are like relatively cheap that they can, you know, throw you know a relatively small amount at, and then be just willing, be willing to pay the penalty on that. Uh, but they're going to be. I mean, this this is a organization that seems committed to trying to, especially get position prospects out of the international market. They won't obviously they won't be in play for a lot of the top guys over the next year or two. But you know, they're still going to be getting a lot of talent. And I mean, Ronald Acuna was not a million dollar sign. 
you know, there's there's lots of ways to to take advantage of you. You just trust your talent department, and if they, they you will be able to unearth talent, no matter how much money you have available to you. And there you go. Uh, that covers that. And finally, Patrick Mollett, who asks a lot of questions, so shouts to Patrick. Uh, he asked, we talked about this earlier a little bit with trading guys, but he uh, asked, is dealing Matt Adams or Matt Kemp more likely this winter or at the trade deadline? And uh, with that, people are also asking, not Patrick, I should say, but people have been asking about Matt Adams moving positions to like third base. Please say that this is not going to happen because I know it's not, but people need to be, people need to hear, I think. Matt Adams cannot play third base. He has never played third base. Just because you want him to play third base does not mean he can play third base. Thank you. That's all uh, I needed to hear. <laughs> no. All that said, no, he's not a third baseman. I could see uh, No, I, I could see like a crazy scenario where he's like out in left field because he's at least played the position before. But if you don't like Matt Kemp playing defensively out in left field, I'm not sure if you're going to like Matt Adams running around there either. Uh, um I, I think Matt Adams is more likely to, more likely to get traded at the deadline, and it's kind of sad because I love watching him at the plate. He's a really good hitter, and he's been playing really, really well, and he's filling in ably for for Freddie. I mean, we're, you, you, it's it's almost it's impossible to replace Freddie Freeman, but you could not have asked him to do any more over the period of time that he's been in the first base right now for the Braves and what he's done right now. He's been he's been hitting really well. Uh, certainly raised his stock, and if the Braves were to trade him, they would get they would certainly get more back than what they gave up to get him. Um, you know, and, and this is coming from someone who really liked the prospect that they ended up trading to the Cardinals for him, and that prospect played reasonably well for him. Uh, I, you know, I really like Adams. I think he is a, probably one of the more probable pieces that get traded at the deadline. I would be shocked if anyone traded for Matt Kemp unless the Braves ate a lot of money. Uh, one because the Braves, I mean, he's he, he's giving a lot of production. He's playing pretty. He's playing really well. Uh, but also he he's paid. He's being paid so much money. For you know, over these next few years, I just don't see another team really wanting to take him on, uh, unless it was like a like a it would be an exception to the rule. So is, who who's more likely? I mean, it's, I think it's pretty clearly Adams because he's a lot he's he's a lot cheaper, and you know you get that extra year of team control with him. Uh, but Kemp, I, I don't see that happening at all. Yeah, this is one of the biggest misconceptions I think from the fan base is that people see Matt Kemp as this huge asset, and he's really not that. Like. He's he's a very useful player, like on the field only. If you ignore his contract, obviously the power is really nice to have, and you know the defense doesn't kill you as badly in left field as it does really anywhere else. But um, when you're paying, I mean, more than he's worth, not not even like I, I mean, I guess if you if you have the highest opinion possible of Matt Kemp, maybe he's appropriately paid, maybe. Um, I think he's overpaid pretty pretty significantly. Um, so, but even if you thought he was he was appropriately paid, that's not that's not the kind of value that people want to seem to, tr- to treat him with as a trade asset. There's not really a whole lot of incentive for the Braves to trade Matt Kemp because you're not going to get the value that you would need um, to offset what you'd be what you'd be replacing because the Braves have a pretty cheap roster right now that has very little power on it. So if you have a uh, if you have, if you have to spend a lot of money on a power guy, you know you're, you kind of already had that guy in Kemp. You need his power in the lineup. The defense is a question, but he's not really an asset as a trade in terms of uh, when, when you compare production to contract. Am I, am I crazy here? Or do you agree with me on that? I mean, even if you're assessing his current production, which admittedly has been good at the plate. For you know, sure. He's, I mean, like, to, to, to my amazement, he's like a top five, top seven guy in batting average this year, which, you know, that's not going to hold, guys. Just, I'm just going to tell you that now. That's not He's not going to end the year hitting 330. No. Um, uh, even if you assume the current level of production, I mean, that's, that, that is a very, very useful player. He's, you know, putting up a really de- a really decent amount of, you know, in terms of war. And, like, he has a very specific role in this team. Is he's kind of the guy that makes sure that get run, runs get driven in. Uh, has been a really consistent hitter this year. If you think that he's going to do that every year under his contract, that seems optimistic. Uh, he, he, if you see him running around in the field, I mean, he's he's already having hamstring issues this year. Uh, he's clearly not. He can't he can't run around out in the field. He looks really stiff. Uh, I mean, I had I was I was sitting in in the left field bleachers, and I, I assure you, he was not getting the balls particularly quickly. It just makes you wonder if he's going to age particularly well. If his body, if he's going to be able to keep up his body and his physique particularly well uh, over those last couple years of his contract. It's you know it's a tough thing because I I've really enjoyed watching him play, and I really do think he's brought a lot of value to the team but in terms of a trade asset you're going to have to either eat some of that money if you want to get a realistic return back because you what you don't want to do is a guy who has been productive this year and you trade him for like a team's 20th ranked prospect or something like that because they won't want to take on that money no i mean yeah i, I mean know. the thing with kemp is like as good as he's been at the plate this year and he has been i'm glad you said that because he's been great at the plate um but even if you just extract that over this full season he's a, he's worth about two and a half wins 
which is really nice. It's a really nice player, but when you're when you're making twenty one and a half million, that's not that huge. It's not a huge I, value. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that the WAR per dollars number this year is a little over seven million. Yeah. So, so 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 he's he's not he's getting he's approaching being paid appropriately, but he's still slightly overpaid, and that assumes that he's going to continue this level of production what he's doing right now exactly over a course of a year, and that's that that's going to be tough for him. Yeah. So I, I'm I, not I would even. Call it tough. Yeah, this isn't this isn't this isn't the kill Matt Kemp uh, segment. I just it's not his fault. It's, I mean, he's making the money that he was paid, and he's playing well. Um, he's playing as well as you could possibly expect him to. So it's not his fault. Um, but in terms of just as a pure trade asset, people uh, a lot of Braves fans really overrate Matt Kemp. I will say as that you know as a player, um, he's very divisive because it kind of just depends on how much you value defense. So I understand that. But as a trade asset, uh, it's kind of is what it is, and I don't. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for the Braves to trade him just because of what they need in the lineup and what he could actually bring back because he is the kind of guy that they actually do need right now because the rest of the lineup as we've talked about endlessly does not have a ton of power in it so um with that said he, he, he fits and, pretty well here and if and if you want to think about if you want to get answers on the future thoughts of matt camp in terms of his future in the next couple seasons make sure you ask carlos Calazo on twitter uh, he really loves answering matt camp questions <laughs> knows a lot about him uh he, he he probably one of our probably one of his favorite players in the league definitely you should definitely find him on twitter and ask him about him yeah, Carlos did a May Culp on a Matt Kemp on the pod a few weeks ago, which I really enjoyed because he killed the trade. And um, yeah, Kemp's been better than I thought he would be too. So it's not just Carlos, but yes, please tweet at Carlos. Uh, <laughs> Definitely tweet at Carlos. His silly season is over now with the draft being in the rear mirror, so he should be okay to answer you as well. So uh, cost him at your uh, at your leisure. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. Matt Matt Kemp is interesting just because uh, for so many reasons. He's been good this year. Yeah, he has. He's been, he's been, he's, he's been good this year, and I mean he. It's like watching someone in slow motion out there in left field, but you know it's it it is what it is, and there is a role he is playing on this team, and it's not like he he's clearly not it's not there's not there's not an ad you know we were some people were even worried about like locker room stuff and you know effort and things like that and whether or not he was actually taking the game seriously. I'm not getting that at all. I think that there are he has physical lim- I think he has physical limitations right now, uh, particularly on defensively, but you know at the plate he. He's been producing, and there is a role on this team for that. Is it worth losing him over the next couple of years for the return you'd get in the trade based on based on everything, you know, his contract and what teams are going to think of him just for even things outside what he did when he was in Atlanta? I, I don't think the return would be worth justifying getting rid of him. You know, it, it kind of is what it is. Yeah, I mean, my goodness. Um, I mean, God, God bless Ender Enciarte, by the way, defensively, for playing in between Matt Kemp and Nick Markakis on a nightly basis and just being awesome. Because that's another reason why Mike, why Kemp He's fits been. better in Atlanta, because Ender can cover for him uh, in yeah. a big way. Yeah, yeah. and conversely, Ender Enciarte sold... You know, signed an extension with the Braves, and he's going to be underpaid for a long time because he has been unbelievably defensively. Uh, I, he has to cover probably looks like a football field out there. He's having to run all over, and he's doing so ably. Yeah, I mean, Ender's fantastic. We can we can, we can probably leave it there, but uh, even if he's just a league average bat, which is what he's been this year, that's a huge win because he's an awesome defensive center fielder, and uh, that guy can be on my team any day of the week. I'm a big fan of Ender Enciarte for that reason. Um well, Eric, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate your time. As always, please take a minute and plug yourself and uh, your squad over there at Talking Chop doing the minor league stuff. And, of course, you do so much major league stuff, too, that you kind of just cross over. But plug anything you want, man. Okay. Uh, well, uh, first of all, we do do a podcast each week. Uh, we skipped last week because we were doing so much draft coverage that most of us were near death. Bush uh, League, Eric. Of- that's Bush League. No, no days off. No, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> gotta, gotta take, gotta, gotta take some time uh, to kind of recuperate, recuperate a little bit. But that's uh, that's the podcast is called The Road to Atlanta. You can find us on iTunes as well as on SoundCloud, or just follow us on Twitter at Road the Number Two Atlanta. Uh, you know, we're next week we're we'll doing a doing a post draft recap. It's kind of what's going on, who we like and who we don't. Uh, on Talking Chop, really, all, all the minor league guys just do outstanding work. Uh, make sure that you, you have Garrett Spain. You may know him as Braves Farm Updates. On Twitter, Gravidak, you know him as either Braves Reddit or GVDAC. Uh, give him some love on Twitter. Uh, and I already plugged Matt, but Matt's just—he's—it's it, funny because you know he's been in our, he's been doing helping us with minor league recaps for a year. But this draft coverage, he—he he would just message me every day. He's like, "What do you think I wrote this? What do you think I wrote this?" He wrote a senior signs article, like a previewing senior signs before the draft even happened. And I, he's like, "Do you think I'd be okay if I wrote something up on senior signs?" And I was like. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. It was like three thousand words on like fifty different senior sign candidates. 
That's a I, lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that, 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 he, he he went nuts, and he you know he he's really giving himself to the coverage right now. Uh, really was happy with how the draft coverage went. It was a really it was a big week for the site. It was a lot of fun too. Um, so all the minor league guys, you know they. They make doing they make doing this worthwhile because not only do I get to you know really enjoy the minor leagues and you know really dig in dig in deep, but I know that if I if I am unable to do something or if I miss something, I know that those guys are watching the same things I am, and they will if I'm especially if I'm wrong about something that they'll set me straight. They're, you know, they're, they're, it's an outstanding staff, and I couldn't ask anything more out of them. They're they're amazing, and you know I couldn't do this without them. Yeah, shouts to those guys for sure. Uh, they help us out um, as, just as a site in general, but especially uh, helping you out as well. And shouts to you for uh, coordinating all that on the uh, minor league side and also helping out with a lot of major league stuff. So I appreciate you, man. Uh, thanks for coming on as always. We'll do it again soon for sure. Absolutely, man. I got I to gotta, I gotta get caught back up with Scott because he's, he's, he's beating me on these guest appearances uh, lifetime right now. Yeah, Scott's been on like three weeks. He's probably, he's probably gonna get 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 the itch pretty soon. But uh, I have I'll be spending about two weeks in the Western uh, time zone, I guess Pacific time zone, uh, in July. So I'm planning on having you're, Scott and you're there. Call, and you're calling me a slacker. Yeah, you know I uh, I work a little look, bit. Look, yeah, look. Just because that you're like some big shot NBA guy doesn't mean you can you know drop the ball, dude. I'm, I'm, look, you know I'm I'm just gonna message you constantly to make sure that you're doing the podcast out from the West Coast. Oh, for sure, it's, it's gonna happen. It, it might it might it might get recorded at like midnight Pacific, and I have to call Scott because he'll be the only one that's awake though. That's that might be the only thing with that because he'll be on my he'll, or, he'll actually or, be on my timeline. Or or in an airport somewhere. <laughs> I know I've done a that. Of those have happened. I, I I remember. I've done uh, yeah solo airport shows are the best when they're doing announcements over the back of your uh, talking. It's always fun, man. But uh, we got to do what we got to do, man. We try to get it out every week, and uh, with very few exceptions, we do that even in the off season. So we uh, we're grinding over here as always. I'm the grind. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for doing this. Uh, as for everybody else, stay tuned for next week's episode of the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. If you've not done that already, please leave a five-star review. Do all those fun things and uh, visit us at TalkingChop.com all the time. Major League coverage, minor league coverage, anything you want. This podcast, Road to Atlanta, all those fun things. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.